Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Kia ora, morena, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Kei te pēhe koutou, how are you all? I am very good. It is a lovely sunny day here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, although it is freezing cold because it is winter and I am feeling it today. It is so cold. Um, but I am warm with the energy of your love. Uh, so <laughs> all the anchorites and gems out there that have been listening over the last few weeks have sent me a bunch of call-ins. And obviously I didn't get to all of them because I was doing some special stuff for Kiwi RPG Week. So this uh, episode is a bunch of catching up on all of the episodes all of the episodes, well, I suppose all of the episodes and all their various call-ins that they triggered. So um, it is just Kamal te wehi. It is awesome um, that I have so much content to share with you today. What are we going to cover? Well, we're going to cover a little bit about Forest of Doom, a bit about gendered pronouns, uh, a bit about barbarians, a little bit about discords, um, Jason playing 5e, what? Um, let's, let's hear a little bit about what Jason has to say about that. Um, player happiness, something very near and dear to my heart. Rules chats and check-ins at the tables, which are also very near and dear to my heart. And then we're going to get to some ponies. So strap in folks, this might be a long one. And there is a lot of awesome voices with some awesome things to say that you're going to hear today. So let's get rolling in this this shizzes um I <laughs> what am I up to I have no idea I'm just full of beans um you're 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 making me excited um but it is worth mentioning that it is New Zealand sign language week this week it is not a great forum for me to be able to teach you any sign language um, over an audio podcast. So I'm having a think about that right now. It might be that I actually put together a wee little um, like clip, a video clip for you all, um, maybe on my Patreon or my YouTube or something. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Very excited about the thought of just sharing a little bit of one of the official languages of New Zealand. And it is Sign Language Week, so there is a bunch of awesome little clips and videos coming out. Um, go research it. Um, go have a look for yourself. Go learn some. I learned how to say, um, have a great day today, and I was very excited about that one. Have a great day. I'm going to use it all the time, all day. So um, just go have a look at some awesome video clips and support New Zealand Sign Language Week. Um, it's it's really important that we make sure that all the people around us feel like they are able and and um, to engage in the environment and that we want them to and that we make it easy for them to um, you know, and it's and it's hard at the moment. Let's address that. It is really hard for our poor deaf community to engage right now with everybody wearing masks. That's just fact, right? 
They can't read our lips anymore. That was one of the few things that they had that they were taught lip reading and and being able to um, engage that way. And we have now taken that that ability away from them. So if we can learn a few sign things so that we can actually engage with those people um, again and make them feel less disenfranchised from us. So um, yeah, I'm rambling, but I feel very strongly about improving my own sign language knowledge. So um, get out there and support basically. Anyway, okay, we're going to roll in because we have so much to cover today. Okay, who's up first? Oh, I think it's Joey from Hindsightless. Appropriate. What do you got, Joey? Yo, Jules, awesome episode. So, Forest of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, we did. We wandered all over. But that adventure feels at least the stuff we found you kind of mentioned it it feels so much more we were so much more powerful than we were in death trap dungeon like with the couple magic items we found we were boss like it was really hard for us to lose a fight you know we might lose a couple stamina but we would eventually win out pretty pretty handily and that was pretty cool you know that was fun we we've done a third of what we need to do you know we have to find two things and then go a place we found one of those things so we're getting there and yeah i don't know that i I definitely want to get back to that character and see if we can figure it out because forest of doom is really fun thanks joey that's joey from hindsightless yeah we definitely need to get back there um it's on my list as one of the many things that I want to do um, that I can't do because of all the things I have to do. Isn't that funny? Like I have a have to do list and a want to do list and I want to play more games and do all the things, but I can't do any of that because I have to prep for certain games and I have to like do podcasting, which I love, but don't get me wrong. And then I have to work, you know, if it, really it's work that gets in the way. Um, if I didn't have to like go somewhere for like working for eight hours and then come home again and then cook dinner and do washing and all the boring stuff, I'd be able to do so much more of the fun stuff. Um, (laughs) like, and if I didn't have to sleep, okay, so this is another reason that we all should be vampires, right? Because vampires, they barely have to sleep. Like they have to sleep, but they don't really have to sleep, you know? So if I was a vampire... I could just do all the things. So I really I'm just committed to being a vampire right now. Um, okay, so who's up next? Oh, that's right. It's Jason with a very challenging question. Um, try not to react as you're listening um, and, and rage out too much if, you're, if you feel like I do. Uh, and Jason doesn't mean anything by asking. He's asking a genuine question unaware of how I feel and I like the way that he asked it it's not a problem with Jason and the question he asked it's a problem with the state of the world and that the question needs to be asked because people genuinely don't know Um, but this is just how I feel I'd love to know how everybody else out there feels about this question as well so let's go what's the question oh my goodness I've set it up so like scary hey Jules I'm listening to episode this is Jason Listen to Rolling Zone Rules, and Joey just said your players call, probably call you Dungeon Master Julia, which is awesome. 
and I am not against um, gender neutral pronouns or gender neutral titles, I should say. And but I'm curious, do we lose something by you not being dungeon mistress, Julia? You, you know now, I, but I can't speak as lady, and, and I wouldn't want to. So I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on the idea of gender neutral pronouns. And do we lose something out of our language from that, from having everybody being an actor instead of actors and actresses? Again, I, I'm not against that at all, but but I just wonder if we lose something by not having a dungeon mistress as opposed to a dungeon master. Just curious. And and I may be off here, but I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on that, even though it's not totally D&D related. Okay, Jason. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of things you just asked there, um, because of course you are asking about gendered pronouns, but that's not actually quite the term you mean. I know what you mean um, in terms of like gendered uh, descriptions or roles or titles. You know, like that's kind of what you're talking about, like the the use of comedian instead of comedian. Um, and various pieces like that. I'm actually fully anti. Like, the, just being referred to as a comedian uh, with the E-N-N-E makes me rage. <laughs> like, I, I, I enter barbarian mode. Um, if I was a barbarian, things like that would be my rage fuel. Um, because why? Like, why? Like, why are we using it? Um you just want to tell people that I'm female? Why? Like, what does that differentiate? Why Why is a comedian any different from a comedian? We're both people up on stage telling jokes. We're both trying to be as funny as we can, engage with the audience, with our life history or our funny writing styles. Not all comedians tell jokes based on their life. Some of them are just very good at writing. Um, like, What's the difference between whether I have um, a vagina or a penis, you know, or, and not even that basic, because let's get down to a little bit of gender politics, whether I feel female or I feel male, because it's not always about the pieces that you were born with is your gender. Sometimes your gender is, is what you associate with. And sometimes you don't associate and you don't feel like any of the genders fit you at all. And so you aren't either. You don't like, you reject, you reject the idea of having to have a binary gender. That's where non-binary peeps come from um and I get all of that and I respect all of that um I don't want to be labeled on my gender I am female I identify as female and I feel like female like I feel like that fits the skin and the emotions and who I am like female is me I choose that having had a look at and understanding all of my options. I choose that for me. That is who I am, right? But that is not all I am. And I don't like being referred to as something which labels me by my gender because I feel like people are trying to put that, that is 
reflection on what I do. Whether I'm a female or not has no reflection on the jokes that I tell. I mean, I might tell some jokes that are based on my experiences as a female, but males do that too. Um, and they don't get a special Mr. Comedian or Comedianer or something like that, which identifies them as male, because we don't need to. They're just a comedian, right? So I want to be one of them too. And the same comes from being a dungeon master. Like, I get what you mean. Like, do we miss out on having, like, a special thing? Like, like I'm special because I'm a dungeon mistress or whatever. But then that brings up a huge problem too. Why are there less females playing TTRPG? Like, why? Is it because the space hasn't been terribly welcoming previously? I don't want to tell... I don't want to have to tell people that I'm female in order for them to be like, oh, that's weird because that actually makes me feel worse. You know, I don't want to be weird in this space. I just want to be doing the thing I do well. I just want to be a good dungeon master. Genuinely, like I just want to be good at that. I'm doing all the research. I listen to a lot of smart people. I play a lot of games. I you know, I basically just engage with the community and learn, learn, learn. I'm like a big old sponge soaking up everything. Every time you guys ask me questions, it challenges my own thinking. Um, I go away and I think about that and I do a little bit of research and I come back a lot stronger with who I am. You guys make me better. Um, and that's all Dungeon Master. You know, like all of those things are just Dungeon Master. They're not Dungeon Master with a skirt. You know, um, so, I mean, there are people out there that would probably love to be referred to as a dungeon mistress because of their own owning their power, right? Like, everybody has different ways that they own their own power, but I feel so strongly on that I just want to be good at the thing, not good at the thing for having a vagina, you know what I mean? Because I feel like that's what people will do. They're like, oh, she's not like the best dungeon master, but she's a good dungeon mistress. You know, like, I no, let's know. There's already enough gender inequality and, and pay gaps in workplaces and thoughts about females doing certain jobs without us needing to label things differently so it's more obvious that I'm weird in the space. No, away with that. I do not believe in any of that. Um, if you want to talk about gender pronouns, happy to talk about that because gender pronouns is a real thing like that people need to get right and their labeling needs to be right. I am a she, her. There are people out there that are he, him. There are loads of people out there that are they, them, or they, she, or they, he. Like or whatever it is that they decide to be referred to, uh, we all need to learn that about each other and get better at that. I have started to, if I'm not sure who they are because I've never engaged with them before, I have started to use them a lot. Them, they. Um, because I don't know them. Their name might be something, you know, like before I would assume that a Michael would be a he right? Because their name sounds like a masculine name from previous kind of experience, right? But you can never assume anything anymore. And I don't think we should. I don't think we should assume anything about anyone anymore. So 
why isn't just they them the default until you meet them you have the opportunity to engage with them maybe ask the question that's polite um and then we know what their gendered pronoun is so while i'm in I, I sound annoyed and sound passionate, Jason. I would never, by the way, be annoyed at you. It's a great question. It is a great question. I've just gone on a several minute rant about uh, how passionately I feel about that. So hopefully now anybody listening out there um, knows definitely that I am Jules, she, her, referred to as Dungeon Master. Uh, that is that is that is a polite question to ask how you'd like to be referred to as long as everybody out there understands the why and the respects the reasons and like now if somebody listening to this called me dungeon mistress I would be mad because <laughs> because you know like I've obviously said my preferences um if you respected me then you'd use my preferences and that's how people feel about gender pronouns you know when somebody comes back and says hi I'm trans I know you think I present as male but I'm actually female and that's who I am that's who I identify as that's how I feel like and then you continue to use him because you think they look like a male that ooh, that shit blood like boils my blood like that that is so disrespectful to that person to what they're going through to the decisions they've made about themselves for you to not respect that is absolute shit so Oh God, I went on a real tangent. I'm sorry, Jason. I hope you don't think that any of this is directed at you. This is just directed at the the wider world that makes me mad that people can't just be like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. And then we all just go, hi, blah, blah, blah. And we respect that you're blah, blah, blah. And that's who you are now. Yay. And it should really be that easy, but it's just not for so many people. And it makes my heart hurt. So, um, there's a big rant about that. And my God, this episode is going to be long because of this. This is what happens when I podcast off the hip. I hope you're all happy out there. You're getting more content, but it's more rambly and it's more passionate and it's on stupid, crazy topics. Anyway, okay, what is happening with me? Speaking of barbarian rage, let's roll into the next call-ins. Hey, Jules, just getting into the episode. Yeah, right off the gate, some hot fire. All right, so Barbarian, least favorite class to play. I hear you. Uh, but let me tell you about these books. The first one is called NPCs. I forget who the author is. But the story is basically what NPCs get up to when the heroes aren't around. And one of the main characters is this princess. And she always gets kidnapped, right? She's always getting kidnapped by goblins or bugbears or whatever. And the heroes always have to come save her. And she's a that's where her rage comes from. She's a barbarian. And her rage is fueled by the fact that her parents keep letting her get kidnapped. Nobody thinks she can, like, fend for herself. These freaking goblins keep coming around and kidnapping her and she just gets pissed off about it all the time and it sends her into a rage i think it's genius dude and it makes me laugh super hard anyway back to the show hey jules just a little more on the barbarian discussion so it's funny that you talked about how you wouldn't want a character to be like run based on being forced emotions there was just a conversation going on on twitter where somebody asked a relatively 
normal question of if you don't want to call it rage for a barbarian, what would you call it? That conversation, however, led into the typical D&D discussion where one group started saying, hey, if you basically what they were saying is if you change anything in D&D that's ever happened, you're a terrible person. And there was the other group saying, basically, if you don't change everything that's been in D&D, you're a terrible person. And it was just a really fruitless, pointless conversation because those two groups, both of them are really annoying. (laughs) Anyway. Back to the episode. Cool. Those books sound awesome. Um, I'm going to have to look them up. Um, and as for the question, like, what would you call it if not rage? I genuinely have no idea. I don't, I don't know. Do, I'm not arguing that it doesn't need to be changed. Um, I just, I, I haven't got a good idea. Like, because uh, rage seems to encompass it pretty well uh, in terms of what it is. But maybe if if the increase in power was fueled by a different emotion, like maybe it could be an emotion-based power. Uh, so it's more like, you know, like, um, what's it called? Power Rangers or whatever. Um, or like the, the kids off Captain Planet when he's like, heart. You know, like maybe if you could be like your power flux could be based on how much love you have, like that would be kind of cool. I don't know. Like maybe that would make me like it more, but it's always just rage. Um, And yeah, people will argue about anything given internet and time and boredom and a inability to think that they are incorrect. So I understand why people would... (laughs) go onto the internet and instead of coming up with cool creative suggestions just be like no it doesn't need to change yes but it does though no but it doesn't like yes you should change everything Uh, no you should change nothing play the game the way that it is but like if the game doesn't suit you you should always change it and and fuck it change it even if it does suit you just because funsies uh no that's not i understand how that would happen personally i think play the game you want to play so if that means you want to play it as it is, great. If that means you want to change it, great. Like, play the game you want to play, man. Otherwise, you're, like, not enjoying your life. And we only get so many years. So just, like, don't waste them. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd be interested to know what other people think you could call it if you didn't call it rage. Like, what would you call it? I'd love I'd love to know out there what you think. Okay. What's next? Ooh. Chat on Discords. Take it away, Carl. On a different topic, I am glad that you do have your own Discord. This one is safe to publish. I did also establish my own Discord because I realized that, well, one, I think COVID happened and we couldn't play face-to-face. So my buddy and I, or a buddy of mine, actually made the Discord, the Geomologist Lab. Um, and then all my face-to-face players as well as my online players could come and join and meet each other it's it's pretty cool i feel i can tell some people feel it's a safe space because i see long diatribes about gaming which i think is really neat the game theory sometimes blows up um on that channel and i i want it to be and i hope it is like a safe space i mean my wife is on there too um so um so yeah and i think that your discord is the same way i feel it's the same safe space we can talk and say things 
which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Cal. Um, I'm glad you enjoy um, Glitter. Uh, Glitter is the Discord that I have that is available to Gem Patreon patrons um so if you're one of my gems you can invite into the discord and there's a bunch of people in there that i've played with over the years and i know are lovely safe respectful awesome people so um if you become a patreon a a gem a sparkly gem you get an invite to that so yeah i'm glad you think it's safe and you like it um i do think that the internet is a uh, we've already talked about it like a crazy place to be uh, a place where people who have a lot of time spend a lot of time arguing on the internet with people um and i'm not saying that we always have to agree on everything but it would be nice to say that it was more of a discussion than an argument and that's not always the case so um sorry that you also find things to be that way uh, but I'm glad that you have safe spaces on the internet like your own one I think that's cool I think everybody needs safe spaces yeah okay what's up next Jason has something earth-shattering to say by the way and listen to your answer to Joe about tools and traps and the idea that if there's an illusion over the pit and if they use the pole and the pole goes through the floor then you wouldn't even make them roll you just say that i love that the fact that player skill and i know joey gets all frustrated on how the term player skills used but being smart about how you interact with the environment describing how your character can interact in the environment isn't just lost to rolls and 5e warms my cold little heart and it makes me want to experience one of your 5e games even more miss julia dungeon master julia Did Jason just say something nice about 5e? Did Jason just express that he wanted to play 5e? Is the earth gone crazy? <laughs> Sorry, Jason, I couldn't couldn't help but just yank your tail a little bit there. Um, yeah, no, we're definitely playing a game of 5e. Like, once you get some more sleep, buddy, um, and maybe some of your other games, like like lessen the load a little i know how busy you are and i know how hard you work you work some crazy bloody hours um joey was telling me the other day you work like something like 23 hours in two days which is insane so um look after yourself mister so that we can play a game of 5e sometime soon because i would love that love that so yeah all right up next is a massive big chat um, on something very important. Last call about this, but, you, you know, you said something earlier in the podcast about you feel the, the beginning of responding to my calls about, you know, the DM's job is to make the players happy, or I'm paraphrasing you, that might be not be exactly what you said, but it's very important to you that your players are happy. And, and I agree with, I don't, know that it's a DM's job to make the players happy or make the players have fun. I think the players have a huge responsibility in that too. But we're not far apart on this because I do feel that when I'm designing an adventure or when I'm running a game, I definitely want my players to enjoy that game. And I and if my players walk away unhappy, I, I you know, I, I don't want it to be because I did a bad thing. Or I didn't do it. I wasn't entertaining. And entertaining is a bad word to use here. 
but I, I wasn't bringing my all as, you know, as the GM or the DM of the game. So maybe not the last call. So, yeah, I, I, I think I always, when I am running a game, I always want my players to enjoy themselves. I want them to have a good time. I want them to walk away saying that was a fun game or I enjoyed that game. Definitely. And, and I want to watch myself to make sure I'm doing the things to help them do that. But I don't know that their total enjoyment is on my shoulders as the GM. I think they have a big stake in that as well, as do the other players. So, so I think it's definitely a group thing. And the responsibility for everybody to have fun is on the group as a whole. But the GM definitely needs to have that in their mind. So I, I hope that makes sense. And I'll stop rambling now and listen to your next section. Yeah, I think I think Jason, we are on the same page here because um, I believe it's my responsibility to set up a game that I think that my players will enjoy. I'm not one that is going to make them hate me or tear out their hair. Like if I know that they prefer a, a particular thing, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'll shy away from the other stuff. So like if they're really into combat, I'm not going to shy away from role play, but I might make it shorter, more succinct. I might even put in some mechanics around the role play if I know that's not their jam. Likewise, the other way, if, if I like everybody doesn't mind combat, but I'm not going to ram a whole lot of combat down a group's throat. If um, they love the opportunity to role play, I'll give them loads of opportunity to role play and then I'll keep the combat to certain sessions where it has to be done. You know, like that kind of stuff. I think that's my responsibility. Um, and also to make sure that uh, my players are okay at the table and they're enjoying themselves um, and that I know what I'm doing. Like I've set up a, a, a good game where I'm able to easily run it, which lately I feel like I have been slipping on because there's just been so much going on in my life that I turn up to games and I'm like, crap, this map isn't fully set up. What was I doing with my life? Why did I not do this? Why did I sit down and watch TV when I got home from work the other day? because I'm tired, that's why. But, um, you know, that's my my job. My responsibility is to set up that stuff. But I absolutely agree with you. It is the player's responsibility to meet me halfway. Um, it is their responsibility to turn up uh, ready to play um, and um, to meet the group halfway too, you know. Uh, I think I think fun is one of the few things that is co-constructed. You know, like we we you have to be you can't have fun by yourself in a vacuum. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure Joey would argue that you can have some fun by yourself in a vacuum. Now that I think about that sentence, but <laughs> um, but uh, I I mean. Like in a in a situation like that where you're playing with other people, um, it's really hard to have be the only one having fun. So it is it is the responsibility of everybody at the table to join in and you know cooperate and be part of that. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean you need to be the funniest person at the table or that everybody has to do that, but they all have to play their part and and join in and be there and be. Um, in the moment, doing their part, and they can't sit back and be like, oh, it's the GM's job to make sure I'm having fun, but then be, like, actively against it, you know, like, that's never going to work, so, yeah, there's a whole lot of extra stuff around that, you know, like, uh, we're going to go into a big chat, um, 
from Jason, Joey, and Carl here on um, uh, on some more around this, basically about trusting the DM and having the DM trust you. And, and it's very, like, simplest nature is this is what they're talking about next. It's about trust at the table. And trust is really important to build that happiness, I think. So let's see what they have to say about all of that. Hey, Jules. Uh, good discussion on your GMing, I, don't, I wouldn't say style, but your rulings during play that can kind of be disruptive at the table. I mean, I, based on your description, it seems like, well, you know, these traps are targeted differently. That's kind of the procedural, right? I mean, some of them are perception is the quote unquote saving throw. Some of it, you know, you don't see it, but then you can still dodge out of the way. Um, falling into a pit, there's nothing to reach onto. I mean, that's just kind of the logic of it. And uh, it's unfortunate that you have players that push back. But, um, but you know, players don't know everything that's going on in the background. And when I play, I have to remind myself of that. And, um, and I guess that can be okay. But maybe that's mainly why I GM. Because I sometimes not okay with that, truth be told. But, I mean, it definitely, to me, it, it, you have to have a lot of trust in the GM. And the GM has to have a trust back, though. Like... I will trust a GM if they don't keep questioning, say, my character build. Because, hey, I know these rules. I know this is how this works. Hey, I asked you if I could do this because maybe you might not like this because it it kind of procs different things to make a very good and efficient build that can kick ass and take names. Um, and then sometimes I would get questioned, or I have been questioned, are you sure it works this way? I mean, look it up, dude. Right, so it's both ways. So thank you for the in-depth response to my call. I really appreciate that. As far as session zero, you know, this is something that Hank Inferno over at Runehammer has talked about on his show, YouTube show before. But it's important, and I think he's right here, session zero shouldn't just happen, that check-in on the initial time, you know, before the game starts. Every now and then, and this might be as often as every you know, few sessions, right? Every three sessions, four sessions, something. But you, you, you and, and you probably are automatically do this. It, you, you probably automatically do this and it's just not an organized thing maybe, but, but you should always be, and I'm saying you as in the general GM, not you as in Dungeon Master Jules, but the, the idea that you should always be, you should be checking on the group and how they're feeling and what they're, you know, how it's going and are, are they enjoying the game and, things like that and my minutes up so session zero shouldn't just happen and then it never be retouched and, and I'm sure you do this Jules I, I'm not trying to imply you don't because I think a lot of us automatically do hey how'd the game go how'd you guys feel it went you know or what'd you think of that trap and so we're I think a good GM's always gauging how their players are enjoying the game or their players feelings about the game and I don't doubt that you do that but I, but I think maybe a little more organized one every three or four sessions maybe might not be a bad thing you, you know maybe every four sessions stop you, you know and, and devote a little bit of time to retouching 
So, you know, we had talked about these things. Is this still working for everybody? You know, let's, is there anything you'd like to see different? You know, and, and just feel that feeler out doing that gauge and seeing the, the feelings of the group and is everybody happy and in a, more, a little more formal way than the unorganized way we normally do it. And my second minute's up. And yeah, rules discussion at the table is pretty much always a bummer. It happens, you know, the worst is, at least my least favorite, is when the player does something and then you read the rule or tell them the rule and then they're like, well, no, it doesn't work that way. Look, it says right here. And then you're like, yeah, but read the very next sentence. Like when the player is half right, but in turn they're all the way wrong, that, that, especially if they're adamant about the fact that they are correct, <laughs> that is a bummer. Yeah. All right, let's let's get to some ponies. Thanks, crew. I yeah, so I think it's very important a to have had those rules checks that Joey was talking about, you know, making sure that um that everybody is clear about said rules before you sit down at the table so that you're not having too much rules chat at the table, right? Like, that's what Joey was kind of talking about. Um, and, you know, and, and Carl was um, talking about, you know, trusting the GM a little bit there as well, um, but having the DM trust you to not, like, micromanage you and your character, you know, all of that should be really done outside of the game anyway. Like you and the DM going over your character sheet and making sure everything's fair and clear and, and everything is, is good to go. If the DM had problems with your character sheet, they should be coming to you before the game or after the game um, to be like getting clarification or maybe like figuring out how a rule is going to work if that's the very creative way that you're using that spell in the future let's let's nail down how this actually works and put some rules around it because you know dms can be surprised by their players getting creative in awesome ways and there's a little bit of improv yes and that happens in a game um and you don't like to say no to your players but sometimes it's like okay well that's freaking mental um let's have a look at that later uh because i'm not sure that's entirely right because i'm also one of those dms who doesn't hold all the rules in my head so i do have to go have a quick look and if i can't find it in like a 30 second quick search and find the answer to that thing um i just kind of rule with my gut and then go back to it later and i might say to them later like hey i did some research and i found out this is how it works and this is how we're going to roll it going forward um yeah yeah uh that kind of stuff shouldn't really be done at the table i think because it it, it ruins immersion it slows down the game and it's not fun um but yes a lot of that as jason said should be done in that session zero you know like like really talking about how you're going to do things, why you're not going to do rules checks at the table, blah, 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 should all be set up in that session zero. That's why that session zero is so, so, so important. Um, and talking about chickens too, Jason brings up another good point about chickens at the table. You know, 
I do a thing at the end of every one of my sessions where I get my players to give me a word that sums up their experience at the table that day. And depending on what the word is, I know a little bit about um, how that session went for them because I know what they're hyperfixating on. You know, it could be the funny in joke that happened. It could be a cool thing that happened with their character. Um, or it could be something that they're frustrated about, you know, like something that didn't go well for them or whatever it is. Um, often that word gives me a bit of a psychological insight into how they're feeling about the session. And that's like a mini check-in. But then every month or so, it's probably not much more than that because I'm using the word to give me little check-ins. Um, uh I'm I'm doing a how is everybody feeling? Does everybody like their character? I also private message people outside of the game and stuff to just check in with like how they're doing and how they're feeling about stuff, if anything needs changing or clarifying or whatever. Um I might just message them with um something that I remembered from a game and how I thought it was really cool that they did a thing and they used their spell like this or they they came up with this cool quip or they um, came up with the fact that they knew an NPC from previously and it made sense in the game. I'll remember something to be able to message them. Um, yeah, I don't do that all the time and probably not as much as I should private messaging people. Um, but I, I do that sometimes when I find that people don't talk up in the game. So there are quieter people and I want to make sure that I'm reaching those people in my check-ins as well because they don't necessarily get as much time to talk. But I just want to make sure that they're still enjoying this session. <laughs> um, but yeah, like once a month I'll be like, hey, how is everybody going? Is everybody still enjoying themselves? Does this still work for everybody? Um, and I'm getting pretty honest feedback. Like sometimes people are like, oh, you know, there's been lots of combat lately, not a fan, or there's not been enough combat lately, not a fan, you know, whatever it is. Um, or um, I was wondering when we were going to get back to this storyline or whatever, like, um, but generally speaking, all round, I've been really lucky lately and must be doing some good work on it because most of the time at the moment, people are like, yep, loving everything. It's great. I'm having a great time. So wonderful. Great. Love it. Um, it's a lot of work to look after your players' safety and their happiness and make sure that their enjoyment is is being met as much as it is my responsibility to do so, as Jason talked about before. Um but I think it's important and I think the work is worthwhile. So um, I'm happy to put it in because what it means is I'm having an amazing three hours with those players because we're all enjoying ourselves. We're all psyched to be there. We're um, super into our characters and we're like role playing our hearts out. And, and that's what I get for having that work done around the game. I get to play an amazing game with people who are fast becoming my friends, even though they started out as strangers to me. So um, it is so worthwhile um, and I love it. But yeah, uh, I think Joey summed up what's going to happen next the best. Let's get to those ponies. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, 
Friendship is magic. Hey ponies, welcome back to Tales of Equestria's Adventure, A Dragon's Bounty, continuing the adventure. Um, it is a very fun uh, TTRPG called Tales of Equestria, which is based on My Little Pony, if this is your first time listening. If it is, go back, go back to the episode that says play ponies with me so that you can play from the start with us. Um, but otherwise, uh, if you have been here the whole time, then let's continue because last time you entered the twisting tunnels and a twisting tunnel network leads further into rock north of you was a tunnel encrusted with glassy crystals and that way was the exit to the hall of glass which is where we came from just recently and then the tunnel continues to the south. Your options last week were to go north back into the hall of glass or go south back downwards into the unknown um but the catch here was you were asked perhaps you could find a map under something and um it was very vague and very mysterious and not really clear what that meant so uh i asked the question what could that mean and uh well let's see what happens Hey Jules, it's Joe. So, based on your clues and the picture on your Patreon page, I think what we got to do is lift up, like there's some black piece of paper or something in that box, and you were talking about what would be hidden underneath. I think that's what the clue means. So, I, I think we got to look under there and then go to the south, because we were already in the north, so we got to head to the south. All right, that's my vote. Peace out. Hey Jules, Pink Phantom here. When you were talking about the ponies, and Firebrand using telekinesis to try to grab that that cup or that chalice. And it not not quite going so well on that front. I just had this mental picture of Firebrand, eyes closed, going, I got this, guys, I got this. And the other ponies watching as Firebrand is slowly pulled towards the chalice and just kind of looking at each other like, should we tell them? Should we tell them that they're... So, <laughs> that's just something, it made me chuckle. Hey Jules, Pink Phantom again. Uh, this message is about my pony pick. Well, well, that sounds too much like gambling. Uh, my choice for our valiant stallions and mares. Uh, I think based on what I think I saw, that we should take the North Folk. The North Tunnel. Yes, North Tunnel. Yay, we made it against the crocodile thing. I think we should next continue exploring. I don't know what lies to the south, but the crystal cave looks pretty interesting. And now we have this goblet, so I would say let's go to the... Well, I guess it's not the crystal cave. We said it was the cave of glass. Anyway, that sounds more interesting than just going south, truth be told. So let's go up to explore the strange new place. Okay, so I think there was a wee bit of confusion about where we had been and where we're going, but that's kind of makes sense actually in the twisting tunnels. Um, we've got one more colon that was actually a message. So Dusty sent me a message basically saying, "Ooh, ooh, ooh, Jules, um, lift out the cardboard spacer on any of the 
board games, they usually come with some kind of a cardboard spacer, right, to hold all the pieces in them. Um, lift up that. Sometimes there's secrets underneath the cardboard spaces and board games and stuff, and maybe there's a map under there. And Dusty? Dusty and Joey? You're right. There is. Congratulations. You have... Uh, nailed the puzzle. I actually threw out the cardboard spacer before I took that photo and I was like, ah, crap, what am I going to (laughs) do? So I had to um, hide uh, the map underneath a piece of black paper. So both Dusty and uh, Joey were right on two different uh, things. (laughs) Dusty was originally under a white cardboard spacer, which held all the bits and pieces. Um, But I took that out because the box is exactly the same size as the Tales from Equestria rules book. So I took this cardboard spacer out so I could keep all of my Tales of Equestria stuff in the same place because I was like, haha, now I'm thinking I'm about saving space. But um yeah, I kinda I kinda I kinda screwed that up a little bit <laughs> for the photo. But um you get the point. There was a secret map. I am going to post a picture of said secret map. Um probably not today at time of recording because I forgot to bring it with me to take a photo of it. But I'll post it tonight. Um so in a few hours basically that'll go up in my Patreon page um which may help you with choosing where you go in the future although it is still entirely possible to get lost on said map um, and not know where you're going so we're about to enter a very confusing part of the game the twisting tunnels can you make it through will we survive where will we end up only you know okay uh but let's get on to the recorded piece of what comes next What's our question? Future Jules will answer. Future Jules? No, past Jules will answer that. So you're in the twisting tunnels and we're turning south. Even if we did turn north, north basically we just end up where we came from. We're like, oh crap, this is where we were. Uh, We've already got the obsidian goblet, so I guess we turn around and go back into the twisting tunnels and then go south um because even if you went north you know that would be a thing um and that's actually what it says in the book too it's it's uh it doesn't ask you would you like to go to this place or this place or this place which I'm assuming some of you kind of thought that it might if we go back to the hall of glass maybe we'll have some more options but that's not how this particular part of the book works it says nope you turn around and go back into the twisting tunnels so here we go um we are at three you are in the twisting tunnels perhaps you could find a map under something oh we did we did find a map under something how exciting um, at least I hope you did. Well, I hope someone figures it out. Um, from here, the tunnel splits three ways. One path goes north, another west, and one east. And that is our choice for today. So if you go north, we're heading to section 55. If you go west, turn to section 39. If you go east, turn to section 75. Man, I hope you have the map so you can figure out where to go. Um, but there is a few places to go, I guess, and explore in the twisting tunnels. So um, I guess it really depends on where. <laughs> well, the voting will be interesting. So north, uh, the way we came, and or west or east both directions we haven't explored yet 
what will you do? The choice is up to you. And that's a wrap on this episode. Boy, there was a lot of things that we explored today. Um, to be fair, while Kiwi RPG Week was going on, um, I had a lot of call-ins received over the last couple of episodes, um, which was really awesome. I just didn't get to post any of them in the last few episodes, so we had a lot of catching up to do. Um, when you send me a call-in, I always want to make sure it gets played and it gets its time in the sun, so um, please you know, uh, forgive me, aroha mai, uh, I'm sorry, um, aroha mai, I'm sorry, uh, for delaying how long <laughs> that took, and I'm also sorry because I'm doing this, um, in my car in the morning, but it's Friday morning, Oh, that's terrible, I started recording this on Thursday morning, um, and I thought I was going to get it out on Thursday morning, just like normal, a normal pony release day. Uh, and then I went on a massive rant about, <laughs> about gendered pronouns and gendered titles. Um, Jason, blame Jason if uh, you're mad about this being a day late, because it's definitely Jason's fault. <laughs> or at least that's what I'm telling myself. Um but it was an awesome chat and I really hope you got something out of it and I hope you learned something from that. And also, Jason, never, 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 never stop asking me questions because, dude, you're the best um, and you come at things from a really wholesome and awesome place of just wanting to learn um, and so much respect for um, your friends and the people around you. And I just think that's really awesome. If more people asked questions and like from a really learning place, um, the world would be a better place. So thank you, Jason. Um, so much love and respect for you, man. Um, thank you to all of the people who contributed to this episode. You know, we've got all the usual subjects, Pink Phantom, um, Carl from GMologist Presents. Um, we've even got Dusty from uh, Being a Gem Fame, um, Joey from Hindsightless, and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. You know, um, this podcast would not be what it is without you all just engaging and being so supportive. Um, and I just have a really good time uh, responding and hanging out with you all really here I just think of this as a giant hangout space um, and speaking of people who really support I want to say a big big personal thank you to my gems James Jason Barry Liren Ezekiel KP Joey and Dusty uh, you're my shiny shiny heart uh, I have been watching a lot of um, once upon a time lately and if I could rip out my heart out of my chest and break it into pieces and give it to you all to hold I would um, because I trust you all and I love you all um, so I think that's well enough of my rambling <laughs> on this episode um, it's a day late and um, it oh my sorry um, and it's about time for you to listen to this crazy crazy roller coaster of a episode so um thank you again um thank you too much uh yeah enohora kakite ano aroha nui goodbye i will see you again soon and i love you loads and here's a new one for you matewa which is like um something i learned recently which is just like another way of saying 
see you later, like see you again soon, like bye, but I'll see you again. You know, it's a very colloquially uh, term and I actually learned it from Air New Zealand because they put it on all of their flights. So it's like, oh, matewa, see you again when you board another flight with us. But um, I think it's lovely um, and I'm adding it to vocab. So matewa, everybody. Bye. Mwah. Bye. Oh, and quick addendum, don't forget, New Zealand Sign Language Week. Go support, go have a look at some YouTube clips, learn yourself a couple of phrases, add that to your absolutely essential vocab. Did you know, and you should know, because I did an episode on New Zealand languages a long time ago, so go look that one up where I talk about New Zealand Sign Language, but did you know New Zealand Sign Language is slightly different from every other sign language, which means you can learn some NZ sign language, some phrases that are colloquially Kiwi um, and be really cool with uh, your dear friends who, who need sign language. Teach them something awesome. Go learn about Kiwi sign language. It's very cool. Okay, now I'm really getting it out of here. Matua!